G'day boys and girls, James Newbury here with the Fiber Performance Podcast, episode 31. Today we have Tanya Miles on board. She's a naturopath. She's actually helped me personally with some of my um, uh, optimization um, protocols to follow. So I'm really excited to open up a convo with someone who's been in the industry for how long now? Uh, in the industry or being a naturopath? Naturopath. Oh, so over seven years. Wow. In the industry epic yeah. cool so we're just going to dive deep into a little bit about um, what holistic health is a bit of wellness stuff health um, problems that come through tanya's doors on a regular basis we might even talk a little bit about glandular fever which i recently just had um, what brings that on things that you can do to combat it things that you need to be aware of um, i know a lot of you that listen to this channel are getting after it on a regular basis so looking for signs of burnout looking for signs of like low immune system and maybe some deficiencies in your diet that you're maybe not understanding and things that you are doing that might also be needing um, extra supplementation. Like for me, for instance, I like to sauna a lot. So we'll talk a little bit about sauna and what that does in terms of benefits, but what it also can draw back on at the same time. So welcome to Fire Performance Podcast. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. Pleasure. So um, let's just kick things off. Tell us a little bit about how you got into the industry. Have you always been... Um, uh, interested in holistic health, or did it start out a different way? Like, have you? Did you always think, oh, you know, I want to be, I want to be a naturopath. I want to help people in that respect. What was, what was the go there? Um, I think it's always kind of been in my field. Um, when I was uh, little, my mum had gardens, and I used to. I don't even know why. I was about seven years old, and uh, she would go and make all of her beautiful flower gardens, and I made her go to the nursery and buy me herbs before I even had any awareness of what they did or obviously maybe there was a cooking element where I would cook with my mum and use some of them there, but I had no real awareness of the, the medicinal qualities that they had, but I just, you know, decided to make a herb garden right next to my mum's flower garden. That's fascinating. I remember doing this as a kid. I used to ask mum when she would go to the shops if she could get me seeds yeah. so I could plant something in the backyard and see if it would grow. I was also fascinated about that. I never turned it into anything else other than trying to grow corn in the backyard or trying to grow grow strawberries or something. But um, it was it was like a it was a fun thing to do as a kid. Yeah, and it's funny. Like on 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 one side of the fence, it was me and my mum who were growing like herbs and flowers and beautiful veggie gardens, and my mum milked cows. And you know, we grew up pretty much like mm. yeah, very much um, uh, from the food that she would grow in the gardens and things like that. Um, but then on the other side of the fence was my dad and my dad was a commercial kind of not more of a hobby farmer but his was more of a commercial interest so he was growing um my my childhood memories were of him growing raspberries oh yeah yeah so we would go down and we would work in the raspberries awesome um and it's funny that yeah it came from my childhood having the herbs but then also the exposure to the glyphosate so the yeah. roundup yeah came from that little um, hobby farm. Interesting. And my sister and I both developed endometriosis by the time we were in our 20s. Wow. And wow. it wasn't until later that I realised it was growing up, touching, mm. you know, weeding the raspberries and being exposed to the glyphosates that we were exposed to all those um, endocrine disruptors. And that's probably what drove the endometriosis and, you know, mm. down gut lining and everything wow. that does endometriosis. So. Wow. Fascinating. And I'm, I've heard of endometriosis a million times, but um, essentially what, I'm, and I'm sure people that are listening to either have it, have had it, or um, are dealing with it, or know someone who does have that. What is endometriosis essentially? Um, so basically, um, 
people actually don't know what drives it. Mm. Um, there's lots of theories. So it's an inflammatory disorder um, and it's also um, driven by estrogen. And estrogen will proliferate the growth of the endometrial tissue outside of the uterus. So that will cause pain. Um, it'll cause inflammation. Um, there's a component of it that's also um, to do with the breakdown of the tight junctions in the gut, leaky gut. Mm -hmm. um, and um, there's theories about you know, um, the translocation of bacteria into the peritoneal cavity, mm. um, which is also driving it. So you've got it coming from like all different directions. Wow. But you can see like obviously, um, you know, with the glyphosates, they will um, interfere with your um, CYP um, enzymes in phase one liver detoxification. Um, you'll also have um, the proliferative growth is something that I think in um, – Glyphosates, which is Roundup, in parts per trillion, will stimulate the growth of breast cancer cells. Mm. And it's a similar kind of, you know, proliferative growth that happens with estrogen. So estrogen will drive it as well. Wow, that is that's it's fascinating. And for a lot of people that are listening to this, if you're unsure, like Roundup, it's the stuff that gets sprayed onto the crops to stop them from getting eaten by yeah. by bugs. So essentially, if it's sprayed onto the crop, then you're ingesting it. Um, you can wash it as much as you can, but it's actually absorbed through the skin from most fruits and especially berries because they're very thinly, thinly skinned fruit. You have to be very wary, essential. And what we're looking for here is obviously going organic, especially with things that end in berry, right? Especially with everything. 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 Like every single mom. And I feed my kids like probably 90% organic food. So if yep. I can do it, I yep. think anyone can do it. Yeah, um, yeah. I think it's the importance, the importance of it. And after doing my first session with you, I, I'd known about organic food, but I didn't know to the degree of what, um, how important it was for me. And after getting my bloods done and, and I'm going to, I've had a gene test done in the past guys, and this is something that you guys could potentially do as well, but I've lost all the results. It was more than 11 years ago that I had it done and I can't find the results. So I'm going to actually get a gene test done again, but my bloods came back and Again, that um, that liver enzyme you mentioned, there was some things going on there. So we're looking at um, changing and my most of my food again to ninety percent of it being at least organic. And luckily enough, I have some friends who actually help prepare all organic food, and I've been doing that for the last month or so. And I have to say, like the most noticeable difference that I found is my bowel movements are so much better as well. Like it's just been fascinating um, in that respect. Getting back to the um, the organic versus non-organic, like just the importance of getting organic food across all of your plant food. Um, like I think the degree of, you know, people just think, oh, conventional, organic, there's not too, it's not too dissimilar. We're still getting the nutrients in. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, like, it's way bigger than that. yeah. So it's, it's more than just that. So um how would you um, how would you explain to say someone that comes and comes to see you the importance of eating organic over I guess um, what we get out of just regular coals and woolies that's not uh, organic. Well, there's there's certain foods that are higher in glyphosates like the wheat. Um, they'll they'll spray it with glyphosates towards the end of the ripening process, so you're actually ingesting quite a lot from wheat. I think the 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 food that is highest in glyphosates um, is actually hummus. Get out. Chickpeas. chickpeas. Wow. So that's really important that if you're going to eat a lot of hummus, that that's organic because mm -hmm. it has the biggest amount of it on there. Um, all grains. Like if you look at, you know, 
where the, the big cancer clusters are, like at the end of the Mississippi River and up in far north Queensland where you've got the Monsanto farms. Um, wow. Yeah, it's really, really important. Yeah, interesting. Oh, that's fascinating. Actually, I heard someone talking about this the other day and he was talking about um, taking strawberries, like just conventionally grown strawberries, pressing them into a juice, then getting a uh, getting a, a, a COA done, like a content of analysis done. And it had enough glyphosate still in there, enough Roundup still in the juice of the strawberry to spray back onto the crop and actually be effective to, you know, keeping bugs away. And I found that super interesting, especially if, you know, either we filter it before it goes into us or we use our body as our filter. But that just, it's a, it's a ripple effect. It actually kind of interferes with those CYP enzymes in your liver, yeah. which means that not only do you not detox it, but it all makes all other compounds or all other environmental toxins more toxic because it interrupts that pathway. Wow. Which means that, yeah, you instead of going through that and making them less toxic, you make them more toxic. Wow. Okay. So, yes. Yeah, so one. That's just one thing. Yeah, okay, one. cool. So the importance of organic versus conventional is, 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 is very high up there. And if anyone's thinking about, you know, like, you know, conventional versus organic in terms of a, a, a cost profile, like, yes, it is going to cost a little bit more, but I think if – cost of not doing it you either save some money now but you pay for it later yeah. so illnesses, a lot of it's will be driven by that mm-hmm. and they're finding autism mm. um, they're finding um cancers mm. like i said with the um the proliferation of the cancer cells in in breast cancer mm. um, parts per trillion which is you know mm. yeah that's huge um so yeah it's it, it sets up an inflammatory kind of um, cascade in yeah. the body um they they kind of say it's safe based on the fact that we don't have the shikimate pathway. Uh, but what we have is we have the shikimate pathway, which it just disrupts, is actually in, our, in the bacteria in our gut. Wow. So it actually stops that the gut bacteria making our essential amino acids. Wow, okay. So that's another way mm-hmm. of turning our, our sulfur, in, uh, inorganic sulfur, into, um, into sulfur that we can use. Um, which interrupts methylation and sulfation and yeah, oh. it wreaks havoc on your body basically. And I'm guessing there's probably somewhere down the line an interruption in testosterone too for... Hormone disruption. Yeah. So same with me, like yeah. I had the, the, the interruption in my hormones, um, same with yeah, mm. sex hormones as well. Yeah. And mm. you know, we know that testosterone today is a lot lower. It's on the decline. Mm-hmm. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So the norm is actually less than the norm years ago because you know when they do bloods Mm. you're actually looking at you know the mean of testosterone um whereas it was a lot higher before so the mean was higher wow so yeah it's very very low and fertility issues yeah just goes on and on yeah so if you can eat organic like (laughs) yeah figure out find a local organic market or um shop on the sunday okay cool so yeah 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 internationally grown crops are not always organic they actually um uh, you can buy organic certification in countries like in South America and China and places like that. So you have to be really aware. Yeah, wow. Most of the stuff that we have here in, you know, your your flanneries and your, even in Woolworths is yep. actually Australian grown organics. Yeah. So we're pretty safe here. Yeah, cool. Yeah, other parts of the world not so safe. All right. That's, okay, interesting. Well, that's fascinating to know. And it's something that I'm taking a lot more seriously. Um, you know, I did it, I did it with my, for instance, even with my water trying to get better quality water is something that, you know, makes up such a large portion of our body. And if we're putting in stuff that shouldn't be there essentially, um, then I want to make sure that we're doing that, especially if you want to be optimized. You yeah, want, yeah. Not important, mm. if not more important, is being organic. Yeah. Drinking water, which would be not drinking 
tap water. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Ever. Yeah, ever, yeah, yeah. Um, the problem with tap water is you've got the aluminium salts um, that they put in there to filter out the dirt, um, which depletes your silica, um, amongst other things. Makes you age quicker. Makes you age quicker because yep. your silica is really important for, um, you know, making collagen and things mm-hmm. like that, connective tissue in your body. Um, the other thing is you've got the fluoride in the water um, and you've got pesticides in the water. Um, the fluoride is a halogen. So any of the halogens like your your fluoride, your bromide, which is in a lot of bakery-type products, mm-hmm. they'll all deplete your iodine, right. um, which will affect your thyroid and give you less energy. Yeah, Interesting. Well, that um, that takes me to um, my next point. So after after you, so you you spent some time, um, you know, dealing with doing the raspberries and and doing all of that, and you know, um, getting endometriosis, and you and your sister were in the same boat. Then from there, did that kind of spur you on to start looking at ways that you can help combat that? That is that what spurred you on to be interested in it? Yes, I was young then, so I. I actually just signed up to do a Chinese medicine course in Sydney because it was the only course that wasn't available in Newcastle. So it meant that I could move to Sydney. Great. And, you know, it was a reason to go to Sydney and not stay in my hometown. 100%. So I moved from Newcastle to Sydney. I did two years of Chinese medicine, um, which um, was great, but I was a, you know, a restless um, 20-year-old to go travelling. Yeah. So I did two years of that, which was really good because it underpins a lot of my herbal kind of... um, uh, the philosophy of Chinese medicine, the energetics of the herbs, is something that is not in a natu- naturopathic course. Yep. Um, it's it's something that you have to learn outside of it. So that's the Chinese medicine philosophy taught me a lot about the energetics of the herbs. Great. And I went traveling, um, came back, started in my Chinese medicine course in Sydney again, um, and uh, I saw a health food store. My dad actually sent me a health food store for sale on the mid-north coast. When I was 22. Get out. And uh, I just did the crazy, crazy thing of it was it was $13,000 to buy the health food store. Amazing. Um, and then stock on top of that. But, yeah, um, my dad helped me get loans and right. I bought the health food store. At 22. Uh, at 22 and left the Chinese medicine course. Love it. And then I got into the health food store um, and loved it, but I really wanted to be able to give people the liquid herbs, mm. and you can't do that without becoming a naturopath. Right. So I went to Southern Cross and yep. um, enrolled in the naturopathy course three years after that. Um, wow. And then finished up up here on the Gold Coast. Yep. Um, and, yeah. That's epic. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, going to do my master's next year at Southern Cross Uni. So. Beauty. Yeah. Oh, that's that's fascinating. It's a fascinating journey. 22, taking a leap and buying a business at 22. That's... um. That's pretty epic. Crazy I, stuff you do in your 20s. 100%. I, op- I, I opened my gym when I was 22 as well. Oh, wow. And it was a yeah wild ride in the beginning. I just kind of thought, I thought to myself at that point, I'm 22. If I muck this up, it's not the end of the world. You know, I can I can recoup myself at, at 22 if I don't, if this doesn't work. But I always had an inkling that it would always work out pretty well. It's very idealistic at that age too. Yeah. We're going to change the world. Yeah, exactly. Save the world. Yeah. I remember having that Gandhi... Um, be the change you want to see in the world. Yeah. And, you know, I yeah. really thought that I was, you know, yeah. having such a massive impact by having this health food store and being the only place that you could buy organic produce. Yeah. Around like that mid-north coast of Bellingen and then Buckerheads. Yep. And there was nothing at that time. Wow. There was no other place you could buy organic produce. Wow. Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. That's cool. So um, the Chinese um, herbal course that you did, um, was it, uh, I guess... I. When I think of naturopathy, I think you're going to get in there, 
and you're going to learn about species of herbs, how they affect the body. You're going to, you're going to do a lot of botany stuff. You're going to figure out, you know, what helps with this, what helps with that. Would, did you, did you, were you shocked or underwhelmed with naturopathy thinking what it could have been without it? You know, was it more business orientated rather than, you know, just prescribe this, prescribe that? Or was it all you ex- orientated. I remember um, Sue Evans was one of the lecturers who gave the opening talk at Southern Cross University and she said that you know if you want to make money you're in the wrong place. Mm-hmm. Yeah <laughs> yeah yeah. And I remember thinking at the time I was like I'm not going to take that on. <laughs> yeah 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 exactly. <laughs> but yeah it wasn't business orientated. Um, when I started Chinese medicine um, years before um, I'd actually done uh, I had to do bridging science courses because I didn't do it in year 11 and 12. Um, so over the holidays, I went to do the chemistry bridging course. Cool. And one of the lecturers said to me that the guy who made the periodic table, actually, um, it came to him in a dream. And he, Mandalay, is the guy. Wow. And he actually left spaces um, for um, elements that hadn't been discovered yet. And since then, since his dream, they've been discovered. Wow. And, you know, the perfection of it is mm. it's mathematical and mm. beautiful, really. So I think that that started me realising that it wasn't just a dry kind of, you know, science course. Yeah. I always saw the magic in it and I got into alchemy and mm. all different other things that I would do on the side, which made the science way more interesting. I think a lot of people drop out of naturopathy because they're cons- they think it's going to be um, very magical mm. and mm. Um, very like metaphysical and, yep. you know, they don't get that. It's yep. very science. It's yep. very evidence-based. Yeah. It's, that's awesome. It's not like that at all, which is great. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, there is another side to it, but they don't teach that at school. You have to find it yourself. Yeah, that's cool, and I and I like that you can take what you get from naturopathy. You can go and start delving into the areas that you find most interesting and things that you like the most. And you said that you wanted to start working with like liquid liquid herbals and things like that. What what type of liquid herbals kind of like really? caught your eye what interested you so much about that side of the naturopathy thing when you're you know prescribing certain herbs I didn't it was like having the herb garden I didn't know at the time I just Mm. know I I wanted to do it Mm. since then like I understand it Mm. a lot um the liquid herbs are the art yeah of 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 herbal medicine Mm. it's it's definitely an art like the you know science and all the rest of it but there's also the energetic side of it where mm. something's more heating or more drying. Mm. Or, you know, if yeah. you've got that, it's like you you know a few different languages that you can apply to prescribing herbs. Yeah. Um, also, they're very potent mm. in the alcohol base. Most of them in the alcohol base. So it extracts all the alkaloids and things like that. Um, you can make it very much tailored to the individual person as mm. well. Mm. Um they're also, you know, tested for purity, which yep. I, I have a lot of faith in MediHerb and Optimal RX and um, the Herbal Extract Company are all like, you know, premium herbs. Um, they source the best in the world That's and great. they test them all for purity. So I know they're safe. Mm. Um, and uh, it allows you to get access to, you know, herbs that you don't necessarily buy in the health food store either. Yeah. Particularly when it comes to stealth pathogens. Yeah. You know, Epstein Barr and, um, you know. Which we will talk about. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So things like that. Yeah. It allows you to, um, yeah. And, it, and it's just, it's the herbs as well. Yeah. So, um, I think it's something that we're missing in our diet a lot. You know, we, 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 we have grown up, 
you know, in a uh, essentially a Western culture where you just kind of you eat, you know, c- cereal and and maybe a little bit of fruit in the morning, and then you'll go and have a, a sandwich for lunch, and and then you, yeah, and then you get um, you know just some some type of meat, some veg maybe if you're lucky at night time with some type of starchy carb, and there's like no herbs. There's no herbs. There's no, there's like there's very there's lack of variety, yeah. and I think that's not like in Indian cuisine where you've got your cumin, yeah, you know all your spices which stimulate, um, you know their their digestives, mm. they stimulate their digestive, yeah, um, processes. Yeah, yeah, I agree, and I agree, and to to touch on that too. So a little bit of a backstory about six weeks ago, um, and it was so funny. It's so funny that I I had a I had a consult with Tanya and I went in there. I just wanted to feel more optimized. I wanted to make sure that if I'm, you know, putting the foot down and working a lot and with fiber, as you guys know, I try and travel around as much as I can and I like to take clinics and I like to coach and I like to teach what I've done for the last 13 years. But then I also like to talk about the cool herbal products that we've created with fiber. In doing that, I am flying around a lot. I'm burning the candle from both ends. I'm trying to train and compete and work, you know, 65, 70 hours a week doing that. And I just wanted to make sure that I wasn't going to run into a roadblock at some point in time. And I sat down on the Wednesday for a consult. I had just gotten back from New Zealand. I sat down on the Wednesday and one of the first things Tanya asked me is like, have you ever had Epstein Bar before? And I was like, Epstein Bar? Nah, not that I know of. And I was like, what is that? It's like, oh, glandular fever. I was like, oh, I've heard of that. I've, a couple of my friends had it when they were in school, but I never got it. Funnily enough, Two days later, I did an event. I started an event um, called Turf Games on the coast, and I'd been pretty. I'd been putting the the hammer down for the last eight weeks, um, running myself pretty ragged, but I felt like I was managing it. I've been to a point where I was, you know, unmotivated or burned out to the point of unmotivation, but never knocked down because of sickness. Then I got through the Saturday of that next competition. And that night I started feeling a bit of a swelling in my throat and I was like, mm, I'm getting a sore throat again. This happens. This has been happening at competitions for the last few weeks. I will get out of it the other side and I'll be fine. Come the following Wednesday, I wasn't feeling myself and my throat was getting worse and worse and worse. So I went in and I just said, I booked into the GP. I got a blood. I said, can you just run a blood test? Get a blood test for me, please. And he goes, mate, you've got Epstein-Barr. <laughs> and I was like, what? And it was just fascinating. And progressively for the next nine days, it got extremely worse. And if any of you guys have ever had Epstein-Barr or glandular fever before, you know how painful it actually gets in your throat. You can't swallow. So Tanya created a beautiful tincture, a, a liquid herbal tincture that knocked this thing right on the head. And I it was, I think it was like a mix of some cat's claw in there, some other, other bits that, what, antivirals, antivirals, yeah. And things that I had religiously every day. And I came out the other end probably feeling good, feeling good two and a half weeks later. But essentially, everybody told me, and this is coming from advice of um, friends in the industry, naturopaths, um, people that have had it before. And they said, when you start feeling good, and I remember telling this, when you start feeling good, you're still not good. Don't push the throttle down again because I have a habit of feeling good after two and a half weeks. It's all gone. I'll just go back to doing what I was doing. And then apparently, and it can come back quite easily. So, so you want to... It's part of like actually about 97% of population have been exposed to the Epstein Barr virus. Okay, cool. Well, that makes me feel better. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's. I mean, it's it's part of like you know 
like chickenpox and cold sores and all of all of the herpes viruses, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and most of the population has been exposed to it, um, you know, in their childhood years. Yeah, okay. Um, and not everyone it develops into glandular fever. Yeah. Um, and it's one of those light cold sores. It's a virus that can actually reactivate. Mm-hmm. So now you have it if you get run down, and and why they're telling you don't push to that extreme ever again is that it can reactivate again and it can cause all sorts of other problems. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's something that it's kind of like a teacher, really. I think all of those viruses teach you mm. about, um, yeah, not to do that again because you can't anymore. Yeah. You, it actually makes it impossible for you to push to that extreme again Yeah. because your body will you'll start to get your sore throat and things mm. will start to happen. And it can actually drive other things as well. It can drive autoimmunity and you mm. know, if you've got particular genes associated with autoimmunity. Um, but yeah, it's, it's linked to lots of different, um, conditions. Yeah. So fascinating. Something you want to mess around. No, nah, it's not. So I took, I, I heeded the advice and I've always been a big believer of if someone is in a position that I have never been in before, if they've gone through something that I haven't and they give me some advice, I really try and take it on board. And I remember when I first opened my gym again, when I was 22, I had been, I'd been working at a gym that I, I wanted to open a gym just like this one. I wanted to open a CrossFit gym just like this. And he said, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. I did all these mistakes and you can bypass them all just by listening to what I have to say. And I was like, all right, done, cool. And I made my own mistakes along the way, but they were not the ones that he made. And a couple of friends of mine said, you know, my wife had, he's also a naturopath. He said, my wife had glandular fever. You know, we had three kids at the time. She couldn't really put, take the foot off the pedal that much. And then it just plagued her and plagued her for a couple of years. And he said, I'm just letting you know, when you do feel good, do not go into the gym and do not go and train and do not smash your immune system because if it does come back, then you're dealing with something potentially chronic for the next 12 months until you fix it. So I heeded that advice and I've come out the other side now. It's been six weeks, seven weeks, and I'm back into regular training again, feeling really good, but I'm always making sure that I'm not putting it down like I was and, you know, cancelled all my trips for the rest of the year. And I've only got a couple of big ones that I'm now doing instead of one every weekend. So I think that's, um, that's something that you guys might want to take on board is like maybe listen to some advice. If you get it, take it on board so you don't make those mistakes. That can be driving other conditions as well. Like if you have a thyroid disorder or um, elevated antibodies or like Hashimoto's and Graves disease and things like that and MS, like there's so many different, you know, Things that um, by treating the glandular fever um, and the immune immune system, mm-hmm. you can actually get an improvement on those conditions by doing that. Interesting. Yeah. Oh, that's fascinating too. So, for someone that comes in um, at the moment, like what is what is the most common thing in a naturopathic clinic or your naturopathic clinic that you're seeing more and more and more? Um, in recent years, maybe it was different from it was, you know, it was different, say, five years ago, what you were you know, particularly treating. What are you mainly treating now? Um, uh, well, I spent the last year working in a thyroid clinic. Yep. So I saw a lot of that. Yep. Um, and now I work from home. Um, it's a lot. I spent, you know, seven years working with Katrina Ellis yep. um, at Holistic House. Um, she specializes in cancer and chronic illness. So I have a lot of um, people who come to my home clinic. Um, relationships I developed during that time. Um, so they're two very specialised clinics. So, you know, cancer and, mm. um, you know, autoimmune uh, disorders. Um, but at the base of it, um, in my initial consults, um, I always do mineral tissue analysis, yeah. which we did together. Yeah. Um, so it's how I start because 
you know, the minerals are like the energy currency mm. that fuel all the biochemical reactions in your body. So if you have a mineral imbalance, um, it's going to drive all of the other things. Mm. And your cells aren't going to communicate communicate properly mm. unless your minerals are in balance. Mm. So I see patterns definitely in mineral um, tissue analysis. Mm-hmm. Um, Interesting. Obviously iodine. Is yeah, that I, so see. I was very low in iodine, FYI. So I have been supplementing specifically for that. And I'd like to see what it is at because I've been, again, religiously doing it every day. So I'm interested to see what it's it comes up. Moving, so every three months you usually do a mineral tissue analysis yep. because it takes a long time. You know, you're not going to fix an iodine deficiency like you have mm. in a couple of weeks. It could yeah. take six months yeah. of yeah. being consistent every day yeah. um, until you're able to fix that. So, yeah, in three months. Yeah. It's time to come and do it. But, you know, for you, um, it was unusual. And one of the first things that I ask, you know, mm. particularly men, yeah. um, is how many saunas they've been doing for the week. Yeah. And I'm sauna four times a week yeah. and I've got one in my house. So, so if you sweat a lot, you know, deplete your iodine. Yep. If you're not drinking purified water yep. um, without the fluoride and the chlorine in it as well, all those halogens will block the uptake of your iodine as well. Yep. Um, so I see iodine deficiency a lot because most people don't purify their water. Yeah. So in, uh, just on touching on that and we'll continue through that mineral, uh, water, uh, purifying water, best best practice? Um, what would be the best? Um, I have a Zazen at home. It's mm-hmm cheaper ones they just sell them at you know your major health food stores like flannery's and things like that um it's it's like a japanese style of water filtration um and you know one of the biggest things that you don't do when you purify your water is once it goes through the filtration process it actually takes out the minerals as well as all the toxins yep so you need to put the minerals back into the water yep so if you don't do that you're going to be basically Drinking uh, uh, like a distilled type water. Yeah, a nothing um, water, like just a void of minerals. Yeah. So if you were to have, just say you had a, a bath, and don't try this, um, but if you had a bath in um, distilled water, which is demineralized water, yep. um, and you put a hairdryer in there, yep. you wouldn't actually get electrocuted. Wow. Because it's the minerals in the water that are conducting the electricity, yep. and that's how you're getting electrocuted. Wow. And then if you think of your body as, you know, 80 to 90% water, mm. And a demineralized body, yep. you're, you're in trouble. You've got no energy. Yeah, yeah. You're not you're not conducting anything anymore. Yeah. So the fascinating thing about the Zazen as well, guys, is that it has these uh, these rocks in the bottom that mineralize that water again, and they're dug up from about 600 meters beneath the ocean. So they're super pure. They haven't been tainted by all of the um, the, the chemicals that we've created these days, and it hasn't been um, like tampered with essentially. So you. Exactly. Natural water would, would, would accumulate minerals by going through the streams. Love that. Yeah. I love it. So there's just one thing. So for you guys, that can a little bit of a takeaway. So iodine is typically quite low in in a lot of people that you potentially see. Is there another particular mineral? And I'm just thinking of one in particular. Um, I don't know whether it's a common a commonality between people, but it's always something that people know about and have heard about. Magnesium. Yeah, because of the stress response. Um, I think the mistake people make is that everyone's deficient in magnesium. No, you need to give everyone magnesium because you don't. Yeah. That's why you, you always test. Some people have too much magnesium. Yeah. So you're actually looking at the balance between different minerals. Um, rather than just supplementing, it's like, oh, let's look at your calcium and your magnesium. Let's look at your calcium and your potassium. And they'll all give you markers. Like if you ca- your calcium and your potassium ratio will tell you about your thyroid. Um, your sodium and your potassium will tell you about your adrenals. Yeah. Um, you know, so so you you don't always supplement mm. with 
magnesium, sometimes you have to, you know, look at calcium accumulation first before you do that. But you're right, magnesium um, and zinc, yeah. because we're also stressed out, yeah. are often very depleted. Yeah, yeah. I think they're just the most common ones that people have heard of or, or, or remember or the most talked about or, you know, probably companies that sell a lot of magnesium, you know, they put it out there and they just put it in everybody's faces that everybody thinks I must be deficient in magnesium. Yeah, and a lot of people take the wrong type of magnesium. So, mm. um, you know, when you're looking at magnesium, there's lots of different types and a lot of them will be great if you want to keep your bowels regular. Like yeah. Magnesium citrate yeah. is great if I want to give somebody something that's going to um, absorb water in the bowel and help them to, you know, relieve their constipation. Mm. But it's not going to be great for the uptake of magnesium for energy. Yeah, you know, interesting. You want like a glyphosate. Or, oh, sorry, you want to... You know, you don't want that one. Yeah. Glycinate. Yeah. Glycinate. Glycinate. Yeah. You want to glycinate if you want to um, yeah. get about 80% uptakes. So. Yeah. Wow. Okay. That's cool. So minerals, that's like, that's one side of things. And then you, um, we also did a live blood analysis too, which is kind of fascinating. And I think this is cool. Yeah, picked up your viral markers, right? Yeah. yeah. Yep. And um, I, I'm actually, I'll see if I can... I will do this again for you guys as well. And then I'll actually put this up on the YouTube video as well. So you can actually see what my blood looks like and we'll do it again at some point. We'll do it in a couple of months. Um, but was there anything abnormal or what, what did you think essentially, what did my blood look like? Was it, was it healthy? Were there some um, irregularities in there? Um, we, we actually did see uh, a white blood cell in there doing its thing, didn't we? Maybe attacking that, uh, maybe attacking my glandular or something, I don't know. Yeah, well, I would have seen an accumulation of white blood cells to, to ask you about Epstein-Barr virus or, or, yep. or is there any viruses. Yeah. That would have been something that would have picked that up for me. Um, but, yeah, honestly, your blood is probably in the top 5 to 10% of people that I see. Like, I see a lot of sick people. I don't often see people like you mm. who are so healthy. Mm. So your blood um, from memory, um, it had, you know, the, the red blood cells were kind of bouncing off each other. Um, you were well hydrated. Maybe you were a little bit dehydrated. Mm, yeah. Right. There was a couple. I remember there was a couple of, there was a couple in there that looked um, a little bit obscure, but there was like few. Yeah. Few and far between. But I think I did. I was, I, I just came off the back of comp and I think I did train as well. And then you also picked up another thing and you said, have you had any fat in the last few hours? And I said, yeah, actually I did. I had a, um, a peanut butter smoothie. So yeah, I, um, yeah. So it's a good idea yeah. before you go and get a live blood analysis. Fasted? Is to actually fast. Yeah, sure. I probably didn't tell you that. No, nah, that's okay. I was yeah, like... It's uh, easier to see. Then you get to see um, there's a, there's a, uh, a school of... Um, of live blood analysis where you look at the pleomorphisms, mm. so the different bacteria in between. In the, in yeah. The oh, that is – that's fascinating. So, yeah. I, as scientifically, it's probably um, not well accepted, mm. um, but it's very interesting and fascinating to look at. If you have fasted, I can see that more. Yeah, that's cool. So when you're looking at someone's live blood, um, typically what shows up for someone that's um, really unwell, what are you looking for there as opposed to nice – well-rounded uh, red blood cells that are moving freely and bouncing off each other. Is that yeah. the kind of so what the main thing I see with uh, people who are really unwell um, is uh, that all of their blood cells are clumped. Their red blood cells mm. are actually clumped together. They call it rouleau. Yeah. And it's actually they just stacked on top of each other and they're not moving at all. They're just kind of like in these little chains, um, wow. and that's very bad. Yeah. So okay. There's a high level of inflammation. You often see fibrin accumulations as well, which is you know. The blood's clotting and it's, yeah, it's just not healthy blood. Mm. Um, 
Yeah, so and and the size and the shape of the red blood cells, you can tell a lot about, you know, their iron and what type of anemias they have by looking at their red blood cells. Um, yeah, I mean, there's so much you can tell just by looking mm. at your red, yeah. whether it's in a, in a traditional blood test yeah. um, and looking at your red and white blood cell count. Wow. Um, or you're looking at it under the microscope live. Mm. But live's fun. Yeah, live's um, cool. It looks great. You know, I for me, I don't necessarily. I, I do see a lot more in live blood than I see in a, a regular blood test. Yeah. Um, but the main thing is actually watching. So when you when you you lose weight and you see, you know, you see that you're you're, you're changing benefits of what you do. But when you're changing your supplements, or you might be going from like a low quality supplement to a high quality supplement, it'd be good to do with protein powders. Hundred percent. Yours compared to other mm. ones, and what the blood looks like. Yeah. But it's 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 motivating for mm. my clients. Yeah. When they see their blood, and they see the changes in their blood in ninety days when the blood cells have completely, you know, replaced themselves, mm. and they actually go, oh, this is you know, it's subtle when you're taking, um, you know, herbs and nutrients, so. It's kind of like, you know, watching mm. a child grow. It's progressive, you yeah. You notice it. Yeah, it takes it's time. It's like that when you're taking herbs and nutrients. It take, like I said, your iodine could be six months ago. Yeah, for sure. You're not going to remember how you felt six months ago. Yeah. You're going to yeah. know that this is how I feel. This is your new normal. Yeah, that's that right. It happens so slowly. Yep. You're not going to know. But yep. if we look at your blood and we reference that, we look at your blood and your eyes yeah. and different things. Yeah. You really are motivated to keep going, particularly mm. at those points. Like everyone's great in the first month. Yeah. Three months starting to like you know go back to some of their old habits yeah so the live blood is just like keeping people motivated mm. to see that they're actually making progress totally totally and it's fascinating so guys and one thing that we need to highlight here for red blood and the reason why we're talking about red blood is you need red blood cells to carry oxygen to the muscles to the tissues to the brain to all of these places that you need to create energy and if we don't have red blood cells that are doing their job they're healthy they're able to carry oxygen and getting through, to, you're going to be lack of energy. You're going to, yeah, it's super. Anemia is life threatening. Yeah, it's super important. So having healthy red blood cells is very, very important yeah. here. Yeah. Um, one other thing that you do really well um, that I'd like to touch on is um, looking at the genome. So looking at genetics, looking at um, methylation pathways and things like that. Is there any particular commonality between? people that have, you know, uh, maybe like a, an abnormality in their methylation? Is there, is there something that's super common? I've, I've heard of this one thing that I keep, it keeps popping. Yeah, it yeah. keeps popping up all over my, um, my explore feed, homocysteine and a MTH. Yeah. yeah. Is that yeah. like, that's like, I heard that's, it was. That's, your meth that's part of your methylation. Okay. Way. Yeah. Um, and it's important. Well, the gene itself, the MTHFR gene codes for the enzyme. Right. Um, which is part of the methylation pathway. So methyl groups are needed, you know, from everything from detoxification. Like there's so many different processes in the body that require methylation and sulfation. Yep. Um, so it's, yeah, your genes can't express properly without it. Yeah. So it's essential for life. But if you have a, so there's, there's what we're looking for with an MTHFR gene is a, a, a polymorphism. So it's a, it's something um, that's not, it's it's not um, functioning correctly. I'm trying to explain it in a in easy in easy ways that people language. understand the digest it. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. So um, you know, I it's it's one thing to have an MTHFR gene, um, but you may have an MTHFR gene 
um, and a weakness basically in that pathway mm-hmm. of your, you know, converting your, your folate to methylfolate, mm-hmm. um, which goes on to create, you know, SAMI and stuff like that. Yep. Um, but it doesn't, just because you have the gene doesn't mean that it's not, that that, that pathway is not compensating. So if you're very healthy and you're eating all organic food, you're purifying your water. You're exercising. You're supplements. You, yeah, you're exercising. You're doing all the right things. Mm. That gene may not necessarily have any impact on you whatsoever, and you may not need to supplement at all. See, that's a, I think that's, that is probably, that's probably the answer that I, I'm so glad that we got to is that if you do, if you do go get a gene test and you have it, got a gene, because I know it's like the craze at the moment. Everyone wants to go get a gene test. Everyone, I can't remember the guy who's been spruiking it a lot, but ben everybody. Ben Lynch. Yeah, probably. Yeah. And it's just going crazy and everyone's going to get a gene test and they probably think, oh, if I've got this gene, I'm, my mortality ratio has gone through the roof. But in saying that, like you just mentioned, if you're treating yourself well, you're loving yourself, you're, you're training, your lifestyle's on point, your social circles are good, you're eating organic food, you're, you're drinking good quality water, all the things that are, should be the norm. You could be methylating better with an MTHFR gene yeah. than somebody who doesn't have a, a SNP in that. I like that too. Oh, I think that's pretty important yeah, for people to understand. I've seen people with methylation issues who don't necessarily have the MTHFR gene. Wow. They put so much stress on that pathway because of their lifestyle yeah. that, you know, they're, they're, they're causing problems with detoxification. They're yeah. causing problems with, you know, all these other pathways as well. Yeah. Interesting. So uh, I just want to touch on, are you able to give me three of your favorite herbs that you absolutely just love or something that you take on a regular basis that you think, you know, this is just... Yeah, you know, I actually asked, I asked, I asked Maddie, I asked Maddie also a naturopath. I said, give me three herbs that you love. And he goes, oh, don't do that to me. He literally just rattled off. He goes, I'm not going to give you herbs. I'm just going to give you three foods that I love. He goes, I just love shizandra always. I love pomegranate always. And he loved uh, pumpkin seeds. And he goes, they're the three things that I like, but I can tell you there's like 30 more that I love too. (laughs) There's a lot. There's a lot. So like at the moment, um, I would say that, you know, if we're talking about viruses, mm-hmm. um, uh, particularly, you know, in COVID times and, yep. you know, Japanese knotweed is one of the ones. Yeah, that, um, yeah. Um, a lot of the ones that were in. I was going to say, I, I, I recognise that on the tincture, yeah. Yeah, basal skull cap. Yep. Um, and um, we've got to do three, don't we? Yep. Um, I love Shisandra as well. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's the five flavours. Yeah, it's a cover all. So many other things. Yeah, that's so cool. And I think if um if people are interested in, in the herbals and things like that, um, there are some companies out there doing some wonderfully good things, but also something that's been the craze as of late too, which I am on a regular basis taking is mushrooms. Yeah. So Mason is a good friend. He's been on the show before. Mason, um, he owns a company just down Mullumbimby Way called Superfeast, and he does a beautiful range of... Besides the ones in the tinctures, yep. like I would take the ones from Optimal RX. Yep. But otherwise... Yeah, there's a lot of organic mushrooms Mm -hmm. from places that may not necessarily have the purity of Australian. Sure. But Mace is one of the only people I know who actually gets all of his mushrooms independently tested. Yep. Not only by Eurofins in the States, but also by a TGA facility here. So ultimately it's, I don't, I don't know if he has the organic certification. I don't think he does, but he has something better than organic certification because they've all been tested for purity, independently tested for purity. So yeah, they're they're the best. Yeah. They're amazing. And some of those ones that I love myself in particular um, was cordyceps. I love my cordyceps mushrooms. I love my lion's mane. I love some of the blends that he does too. The, I love the key, all the, the, um, 
the and the Shen. I love the Shen as well. But there are uh, people have all been getting around the um, the lion's mane um, just for the fact everybody's been talking about how it can help with regeneration of brain and um, neural pathways. Unitropic, making you smarter, making you live longer, you know, fighting Alzheimer's and any type of neurodegenerative diseases. Um, so uh, for people that are interested in mushrooms, if you haven't heard of Superfeast, go check Mason out. He's a freaking legend as well. Um, and the podcast, I think it was episode 12. And there's some good stuff in there about Mason talking about his story behind it all, which is super cool. Um, but aside from that, if you were to, if you were to look at um, the one thing that, the one thing in terms of diet for people that are, you know, have grown up eating a, a Western diet, aside from it being organic, because we know that's right up there. Would you say, would you say one thing that we're missing out on is just variety? Is, is you think variety is a key factor for most people? people? eat too much protein and not enough vegetables. I think you need to get the ratio right. This is, yeah, I think this is a, a definitely a ratio game. Like, yeah. just like we talked about with um, the gut microbiome, yeah. like yeah. getting the ratios right, include um, electrolytes. Right as well yeah you've got to treat your microbiome like it's a garden yeah you want to give lots of different nutrients and all the polyphenols which are all the different colorful Mm. veggies to feed that Mm. so you produce all the right bacteria otherwise you lead to you know lots of inflammation in the body um yeah diet is yeah the the most important thing i think that's a lot of people come to me and they're like, what supplements should I take? Well, I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about your diet first. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. I probably didn't talk about it so much with you because I didn't have to. Yeah. Because you're already, you know, I like, besides the organic thing, yeah, eating th- such a, and you can tell, like, yeah. you can tell whether you need to have that conversation by looking at someone, their, their complexion and, mm. you know, all of those things will tell you as to, you yeah. know, eating diet. Yeah, well, totally. So, well, one thing I think people could probably take away from this is if you if you can manage to, and this doesn't have to be a hard thing. This this probably seems hard when you're doing all of the. I guess you you know, you think in your mind all of the wrong things. You know that you're not living a super healthy lifestyle, but you know, changing your water from tap water straight to you know a, a purified water source is not it's not a hard thing to do. You just either go. You can even get a drop off. You can get a drop off. Those payment plan things on some of the websites, yeah. Like the Zazen and the Alkaway filters. Yeah, you know, yeah. You can pay it off weekly. And yeah, you can. It's cheaper than buying the bottled water that's full of all the PETs. Yeah, bad plastics. A lot of people come to me who are drinking the waters. Yeah, that have been you know delivered in plastic. Yeah, like, yeah. It's cause blood sugar issues. Yeah. So that's like that's one thing. It's an easy enough to do, but turning your diet from you know conventional to as much organic as possible and then getting as much diversity in there and typically what we try and recommend just like you were saying look for the vibrant colorful you know the dense greens the the blues the pinks the yellows all the things that are going to have those polyphenols all the polysaccharides all the stuff that's going to help with the gut microbiome you can create diversity there and even just start off with a list if you eat 10 foods every week and they're the only 10 foods you eat a week try and up your plant intake to like 20 and then when you hit 20 try and get to 25 and then try and get to 30 and if you're getting that you're doing pretty well and then just look in and around that and it's like okay i'm exercising now okay what am i going to do with my exercise is it going to be you know i might go try running and if i don't like running i might go try boxing and if i don't like that i just need to do something i might try surfing but i think that's a yeah yeah the key factor is just to we, we kind of know what we need to do, but the, I guess we, we try and downplay the importance of it all, you know, downplaying the importance of eating organic, downplaying the of, of not drinking yeah, tap water. Like time and money. That's the excuse. Yeah. You'd be like, oh, I don't have the time, I don't have the money, but mm. yeah, Inter- in the short term, you might not, but yeah. in the long term, it's going to cost you a lot more. Yeah, totally. Yeah. 
That's true. Yeah. And lastly, then we this, we can only talk about this for a, a few minutes and then we can we can wrap it up. But um, we've obviously gone through a COVID period. So we have a lot of people experiencing, you know, um, after effects of that, you know, whether it be from COVID itself or whether it be from, you know, getting, you know, boosters or whatever it may be. And that's actually the reason why I wanted to come and see you because I have had boosters and stuff before. I had to travel during that period and I chose to travel. And some symptoms that people are experiencing now are kind of, it's ripple effect and we kind of are figuring out it's probably a little bit more um, uh, prevalent than what we kind of think. What are, what are some main things that people are experiencing um, in in your experience from, you know, post, post-COVID times? Uh, I mean, depletion of your minerals like your vitamin D and your zinc. Um, that's one thing that I see, you know. Commonly. Very, very common. Um, and if you're low in zinc... Um, you're going to be your stomach acid is going to be low because you need zinc to build stomach acid. Yep. Um, so your di- digestive issues are yep. a big thing. Um, you know your ACE receptors line the digestive tract as well. Thyroid yep. problems like active reactivation of viruses. Mm, yeah, like the Epstein Barr. Yeah, it brings us back to the surface. Yeah, there's a lot of like um, uh, probably theories at this stage. Sure. About um, the the having COVID, mm-hmm. having COVID or or getting the COVID vaccinations is kind of very similar in yeah. lots of ways yep. um, as to the impact they'll have on your body and the spike proteins and what they'll drive in the body. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, muscle activation. Um, yeah, like it's it's there's so and and there's just so many different things with the viral activations. I think that has got something to do with the pericarditis and the myocarditis. Yep. And like that I see a lot of that. Yep. Um, yeah, I see a lot of reactivation of, you know, people's antibodies who might have had, you know, Hashimoto's or Graves' disease 10 years ago and got it into remission. Mm. They went and they either got COVID or they got, you know, multiple, maybe a combination of getting COVID and then three yeah. vaccinations. Yeah, that, that was me. Row. That was me. Then you see very high antibodies, particularly if you have autoimmune genes. Yeah. Um, yes. In biggest, biggest biggest combaters for for those types of thing obviously living a healthy lifestyle right like the best thing you can do to put yourself one foot in front of where where we're at or if you're feeling like this and i and i feel like this is probably why i probably come out the back end of you know i you know i had to travel overseas so i had to get the first one then i when i got to the states i got i actually got the virus and then after that had to get another one well, i got two before i left got the virus then came back got one more and then thought not doing this anymore and then coming out the back end of that wasn't feeling so good so then i just wanted to try and optimize the way that i you know lived every day made sure that i was trying to you know you know top up on sleep making sure that was on point making sure i was still exercising making sure i was getting loads of vitamin d making sure getting outside in the sun so i think all those lifestyle practices um i think to be honest the best place you could go for the type of attention that you need is our, you know, probably our best doctors we have, which are naturopaths. At the end of the day, that's the place to go for me. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Which is luckily enough, that's yeah. where, that's where we live. And, and we're all communicating, like, there's yeah. doctors and there's other WhatsApp groups. We're all communicating about different cases and unusual things that have come up since COVID mm. and the vaccines. Mm. Um, so we're all talking amongst yeah. ourselves and sharing information because we didn't know in the early days what to do. Yeah. You I think Stephen Boona had a massive influence on me yep. and the, the, the herbal prescriptions that I would create during COVID times. Yep. He predicted this, 
way before it even happened. Wow. Um, if you le- if you read his book, um, Herbal Antivirals, mm-hmm. um, he's not even he's not even st- he's, he died if, I think last year or the year before. Wow. Um, so he's not even with us. Um, but I don't even think he was alive. No, he was alive during COVID times, but died not long after that yep. time. But his books were written ten years before. Wow. He predicted all of this was coming, and he told us what herbs to take. Oh wow. Okay. Cool. So what was that book called again? Um, Herbal Antivirals by Stephen. All right, done. I'm, I'm going to have to listen. And he also looks at the whole way, you know, we saw like the, the, the microbiome um, and, and the microbiota. We yeah. saw that as, you know, when we used to take antibiotics and just wipe out the lot. Yeah. And we didn't, we, we didn't realise that we have more, um, you know, microbial cells in our body than we have cells. Yeah. So, so we were doing ourselves a disservice. Yeah. And antibiotics and not breaking down in the environment. So they're changing the constituents in the herbs. Mm. Yeah. So the herbs, like golden seal 20 years ago, is not the same golden seal we're taking today because wow. that plant actually evolves. So they've learned to deal with the environmental changes, environmental mm. toxins, and, and how to deal with viruses because that's what they're clever at. They're like little... Wow. Animals. They're learning. Yeah, they're learning how to deal with it. So wow. here's, yeah, the, 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 the antivirals that you take have learned how to deal with these different viruses in the environment wow. and they kind of teach our body how to deal with it. Wow. Yeah. He's probably the most influence on me during COVID time. Nature knows best, right? Yeah, and I got the best results. Like a lot of the herbs I, w- I used in your Epstein bar yeah. antiviral yeah. Were, um, were a lot of the herbs that he would have used. Yeah, well, I can, I can tell from firsthand experience that I did start feeling 10 times better after about two and a half weeks yeah. Yeah. and I felt nothing but good since then. I actually experienced no... Um, sap of energy like i felt my energy levels like even when i was dealing with a really swollen glands in my in my um groin and in my neck i even still you know i was still jumping out of bed with energy at that time so which was which was good sign i was like okay well the the biggest fear i had was getting chronic fatigue and then waking up and feeling demotivated and and energy lacking every day because that would be the bane of my existence if that was the case so i played it safe but i was i was energized through that whole period I mean, in that herbal, um, we would have also worked on your immune system and boosted yeah. your immune system. It wouldn't have just been antivirals. Yeah. And I think, you know, viruses are actually not a bad thing. Mm. Like, they actually help us deal with bacterial infections. Mm. So in the ocean, um, the viruses, if there's a big algae bloom mm. in the ocean, the, the, the viruses will actually destroy it and bring everything back into balance. Mm. So that's why I was saying they're good teachers. Viruses yeah. are really good teachers mm. have to teach you how to balance your life. That's great. I love that. Oh, that's really cool. Good way to look at it. Well, um, I think that's, um, I'm sure we're going to get you back on for some more stuff that comes up and especially I want it, what I want to do next time for, for you guys as well. I want to go through, I'd love to do a, a gene test, a blood test, and then maybe we can even analyze go them. analyze them on here and just go through and just talk about them. I think that's fascinating for um, the viewers to watch someone um, who, you know, likes to, likes to like work on business and, but also likes to train and compete in random sports like that, just are two ends of the spectrum and see what it's like. And what we'll actually do is we'll do things like we won't just do your gene test. Great. We'll actually do your homocysteine. Great. Because we'll actually see whether those genes that you have, um, SNPs in are actually having an impact. Great. So that's the only way to know if they're having an impact. Done. Look at that as well. Okay. Beautiful. Let's do it. Well, Tanya, thanks so much for coming aboard. This is, I think this is super insightful for a lot of people that do listen. This is very much up their alley. So I really appreciate you coming aboard. Thank you. Thanks, guys. All right, guys, we'll see you next time. Really appreciate it. I'm going to put all links to um, Tanya's, Tanya's work down in the show notes. We'll see you guys on episode number 32 coming up next week. Ciao. Beautiful. That was so good.